0: Hello, everybody. Bradley here, and welcome back into Let's Dive Deep Harry Potter. Where today Rachel and I are taking a look at, picking apart, deep diving into, and occasionally firing some teachers from uh, Chapter Nine of *Philosopher's Stone*: the Midnight Duel. These flying lessons are a capital N nightmare, and I can't wait to discuss it all with Rachel and then with you guys. Before we get started, though, we have an adult content warning at the top here, just so you know. This episode's not too bad. This book is written for eleven-year-olds, but eventually this will be more relevant. But there is this is an adult content podcast podcast so just be careful if you're playing it around children or anything like that and also this is a very 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 super very heavy spoilery podcast so if you are listening to this and have not read all of the harry potter novels then i would recommend doing that first or if you don't want to read them and you don't mind being spoiled that is all right as well without further ado though i think we should hop in and analyze chapter number nine the midnight duel Also, real quick before we get started, if your remember all is glowing red right now, it's because you may have forgotten to click the subscribe button to this podcast wherever you are listening to it. Maybe it's that you forgot to leave a review on iTunes. It could also be that you forgot to join our Facebook group where you can chat about Harry Potter and a lot of other pop culture things with all of the Let's Dive deep listenership over on Facebook. If that sounds like something you may have forgotten, feel free to go to the show notes and figure out which one it was and click the button to join the thing and your remember all will calm down and we can get back to listening to the podcast you <laughs> Chapter nine, the midnight duel. It's flying lesson time. Let's see how this goes. The Gryffindors and Slytherins head to flying lessons, if you can even call them lessons, where Neville has a bit of an oopsie. Following that, Malfoy is a prick, but in challenging him, Harry finds out he's an awesome flyer. Instead of getting in trouble, Harry gets to break a bunch of rules and play sports because this system of rules totally makes sense. Malfoy challenges Harry to a duel, Ron offers to die for Harry, Hermione is annoying, and Neville, well, he's there and along for the ride. It turns out Malfoy is a coward, though, and it was a trap. Don't In the rush to find a way out of the situation, they end up running into the giant three-headed dog sitting on a trap door in that corridor they were told not to go into. I think that's a good recap for this chapter. Rachel, should a Hogwarts teacher (laughs) have been fired in this chapter? Yes. Yes. Yes.
1: Fired. Sued. (laughs) Sued. Fired from ever teaching again. Yeah. I don't know. So... You and I, I both can't. agree
0: that Madam Hooch is the first. And this will not be the only time I'm firing Madam Hooch. There's one no. other scene later where I also be firing Madam Hooch cuz she sleeps on the job. However, this time, I cannot imagine a more incompetently run flying lesson than this.
1: It's it's a nightmare. Like and, and I'll be like as vague as I can to give myself some kind of anonymity, but I work in a field where i'm constantly assessing risk looking at exposure for liability and considering the like the risk of negligence in situations that are created and this chapter is just a nightmare for me to read like my heart is pounding my brain is racing (laughs) I i hate it so much uh, like everything could go wrong.
0: I imagine if it's you had funny. an Apple Watch on, like your heart rate would be it'd be warning you, like, "Hey, calm down, it's okay." Like,
1: like I was losing it. I like there's the the little heading: Should a Hogwarts professor have been fired? And I just wrote in all capitals: Negligence, negligence, negligence. And then I also wrote: Who just pooched?
0: Yeah, just before I recorded this, I I um. <laughs> hashtag hooch is pooched in the Facebook group with like a clip of like this section of the notes. <laughs> Everyone seemed to be liking it. If you want to see these notes, by the way, we have a Patreon. You should go check it out. Anyways, uh, I I also fired hooch, which for all the reasons you said, negligence, cubes, yeah. and hooch is pooched. All of it. There are two specific things I want to be when I'm when I, I as an administrator. In my job, mm-hmm. I occasionally have to fire people, right? Like, mm-hmm. I, I work with mm-hmm. kids, and so there's a pretty low or high, or there's a pretty high bar that you have to stay above at all times, and not mm-hmm. everybody mm-hmm. always stays above it. So it's a thing that I gotta do from time to time. So you have mm-hmm. to you have to be specific about your reasoning. Uh, first off, leaving the kids unattended with the brooms you haven't taught them to use yet—that's one. Oh, that's the oh. one for me. The second is not stopping Neville from falling, just allowing him to just free fall. Onto the ground, break his arm or whatever happens. And then she's going, ah, I'll take him to the hospital wing. Those are my two reasons that I'm firing.
1: (laughs) I have a lot of thoughts about this. Should I just get into it right now? Like I have a list of things that went wrong.
0: Well, We'll get there. We do have to get to the flying lesson. Let's okay, not, okay. We, the, the the hooch is pooch thing is hilarious. So we'll, we'll, we'll spread it out as much as we can.
1: Okay. Um,
0: <laughs> I went for alternate chapter titles. I went, this one I'm proud of. This one I went for mm. finding the seeker because that to me, just off the back of last chapter, adds so much mystery to this, mm. right? And you don't know what a seeker is yet as a reader because we haven't learned about Quidditch wow. yet. Right? So it just sounds like a cool thing. A game of hide and seek is happening, but kind of in reverse. I don't know. I was happy with this one.
1: Yeah, and I also like the way that it kind of plays on you're finding the person who's looking for something.
0: Right, yeah. I thought that
1: was a nice little um unexpected play on words. So I really enjoyed it, and it made it hard for me to think of something that was kind of same, same, but different. Um, But in, in this chapter, for me, I found... There were a lot of things that were either lost or forgotten or misplaced. And then a lot of things that were answered or found. So I just went with lost and found.
0: <laughs> <laughs> just, you, I think we reversed. I think, I think uh, that's kind of what I did for the last chapter. So I was going to pick something mm-hmm. extraordinarily on point for this chapter. Yeah.
1: No, same, same no, no
0: fluff, no extra, just exactly. That's a good title. Let us know your titles wherever you want to. Let us know. Send smoke signals. I don't know. Whatever you can do. Um, we see
1: them. We're looking.
0: We're yeah, right now. Uh, we live in very far away cities, though, so there has to be big smoke signals. And we're they're just covering have... ground. Yeah, yeah. They're going to have to be really big. But give it a try. Maybe someone will see your message. Uh, before we get to the flying lessons, uh, we're in the common room and in the great hall. There's a few fun things that happen here. Uh, first thing I wrote flying lessons what could go wrong
1: oh how long do you have
0: right we'll get there but <laughs> yeah just with uh, Chekhov's flying lesson right we're gonna learn to fly mm. oh dear what could go wrong um what I did like about this is there's some really cool kind of human moments with Harry especially as an 11 year old you know this whole magical thing mm-hmm. is kind of happening and the teachers do not seem to really actually want to teach the students anything <laughs> I assume like I assume McGonagall and Flitwick's classes are fine actually you know what in terms of percentages, like McGonagall, Flitwick, and Sprout are fine. I think their classes are probably mm-hmm. okay. So it's half of them. A little less than half of the classes that are probably cool. Mm-hmm. But I liked, I liked that Harry didn't want to be embarrassed in front of Malfoy. I like that. It's just simple, but very yeah. 11-year-old, very human, very, I don't know. Yeah. I like that.
1: Yeah, and it's, you know, he, he just really doesn't want, I don't know. He wants to have a reputation. He wants to be successful. He wants to be good. I also like that all the 10-year-olds are sharing their near-death experiences on brooms. And I'd like to know, like, the truth of them. Like, was Draco really flying near helicopters? That's extremely dangerous. You can get sucked in by the blades.
0: There's no (laughs) way Draco is flying. I I imagine there are a few. I imagine that, like, the general type of story where you accidentally flew into a muggle thing is true yeah i imagine draco's specific story about a helicopter probably not being true
1: yeah someone yeah ron said he almost hit a hang glider um that I'm makes more sense to me yeah ron doing something clumsy makes more sense and i feel like it'd be way harder to avoid a hang glider than it would a helicopter helicopters are hell allowed
0: right yeah but. yeah yeah <laughs> That's right. You you're know. just
1: like zipping through the countryside one day and this man on a tiny kite is just flying. <laughs>
0: like, yeah, that, that that, I get that. That's harder to hit or harder to avoid.
1: Yeah, it just it comes out of nowhere and you're like, oh, for, for fuck's sake.
0: Imagine that in reverse, though. You're hang gliding <laughs> and a fucking kid on a broom smashes into you. That that would be terrifying. That was scary. How shit do you
1: explain me. that to your insurance? You got like a broken arm because you fell from the sky. And You're like, no, <laughs> no, believe me. Some child on cleaning utility ran into <laughs> yeah, me in the right.
0: sky. Right. Right. The implications of that are right. never ending. <laughs>
1: Um, I also put. Uh, I just want to give a shout out to Dean for bringing a West Ham poster to school. I
0: put that in too. I West Ham <laughs> show. Let's go. I don't know how big of a soccer fan you are. I religiously watch soccer, right? Like I, it's it's mm-hmm. like an obsession. I don't watch every every Premier League match like fully focused on it, but in every week of the Premier League, I've probably at least at least kind of background noise through almost all ten of the matches, and so just getting mm-hmm. a West Ham show here was nice for me.
1: Yeah, I actually, so I did my first year of school in England,
0: ah, in no right small in.
1: part due to my desire to feel like I was attending Hogwarts. Right. Um, but uh, while I was there, I did go see one football game, and it was uh, West Ham versus Tottenham.
0: Oh, that's a derby, too. Those are both London teams. Ah, oh, that would have been
1: yeah. Fun. We were we were very very strictly informed to wear gray because we were a fan of neither team and we sat in the gift section.
0: Oh yeah, you're. I always like the way they do their seating. Like every game has an away stand.
1: Mm-hmm. I remember
0: I was um, I was when I was last in England, I went to a Man United Burnley game, and Ooh. for those listening, I'm a Man United fan, and I wasn't there for the game any games at Old Trafford, so I had to go to an away game, and Burnley was perfect. It's cheap, it's easy to find a mm-hmm. ticket. But I couldn't go as an away fan because you have to be part of, like, the Manchester United kind of club with tickets or what. You know what I mean? Like, you can't just do it as a Canadian tourist. And yeah, so yeah. I had to sit in, like, the normal kind of Burnley section and just pretend like I was cheering for Burnley. It was pretty interesting. <laughs> it was an interesting, like, just the way they were going. It just Because it's man. just not how hockey works here. You just go in your jersey and sit wherever. And so it was yeah. just weird for me like sit in the Burnley section with all the Burnley fans being like, yeah, go Burnley. Yeah, definitely. <laughs>
1: yeah, that's always funny at hockey games. I don't know how many of you people listening have been to hockey games, but yeah, you could just end up sitting to like a giant group of fans from the other team and you're all just yelling at the same time for different reasons. It's really an emotional roller coaster.
0: <laughs> right. So West Ham, West Ham show was cool. We're, we're happy mm-hmm. that's in there. Cool. Cool.
1: Mm-hmm. Um,
0: there's some really good pieces of just kind of giving us more info about the characters. Now, in this case, I'll argue we didn't need this info about Neville. But just small one-liners here and there to kind of flush out some of the background characters. Uh, Neville managed to have plenty of accidents with both feet on the ground. <laughs> oh, God. that's that, That's not very nice.
1: Harry, but also clever.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah, Harry. He is. He has some good burns in these books.
1: He's just quietly roasting people. Like, come on, dude. Neville's yeah. trying his best.
0: Right. Um I put down that the Remember All is an extraordinarily flawed piece of magic. You put down the little bit about the, the robes in the movies, which is a good um
1: Yeah. Kind of That was catch. a fun little fun little Easter egg. I didn't notice it. A meme on Reddit <laughs> brought it to my attention. But if you look at the scene, if you go back and rewatch it, so they don't say in the book what he forgot, it's just kind of left vague. Uh but in the movie everyone else is wearing their robes. And Neville is not wearing his robe in that scene, so the thought would be that he forgot his robes.
0: Yeah. So I always thought that
1: was kind of funny. He's
0: just got his shirt on and I think his tie or whatever. He's got like the whole kind of cardigan part of the outfit, but not the robe.
1: Um. Can Can you imagine how boring it would be to just be like wear gray and black? the entire school year.
0: That's what I liked about the Goblet of Fire movie. When we get to, oh God, when we get to the movie, man, oh dear. But like one of the things <laughs> I did enjoy about the Goblet of Fire movie, there's not very many, but the one thing I did was that they gave the kids like garb. Like the, the Triwizard oh, champions yeah. had like, like proper as if they were sponsored. You know what I mean? Like properly mm. colored kind of athleisure wear for their, I don't know. I liked that in Goblet the 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 outfits in Goblet of Fire are kind of more what I would want them to be like. Whereas the book yeah. descriptions of them in the, the first two movies specifically are a little, eh. The third movie's fine. It's a little too like jeans and a hoodie for me. Mm-hmm. Right? Like, there's that scene where Hermione's running around in like a, per- or like a pinkish long sleeve. And I'm like, I don't think that's the Hogwarts I had in my head. But movie four yeah. does a good job of like moderating where I would prefer the uniforms to be if I were a student.
1: Yeah, they do have some pretty slick... Uh... Uh they're not costumes like uniforms, I guess, for the for the events and for the tasks. They all look pretty slick in those.
0: Which would make sense. If you like that would make perfect sense. If you were an athlete participating in the tri you're a tri wizard champion, it's in the news, you're a very famous person mm-hmm. in the wizarding world at this point. You'd have Thanks. garb. You'd have merch. That's true. You'd have you yeah. have, like, have like you'd have your kind of wizard like you know the best kind of uh, outfit or kind of athletic outfit wear company in England is going to be making Harry and Cedric's uniforms, right? You know the Bulgarian one and the French one are going to be making them for Fleur and Crumb, um, mm. yeah. So I, It just made sense to me. But they would I'd have... also just
1: like to say preemptively now: we're going to get to it eventually. No one was done more dirty in book four than Fleur.
0: Oh, Done Dirty List is back. Okay. I put that in the Facebook group, too, asking people yeah. what they'd add to your Done Dirty List. It's just an ongoing thread where people can just comment as things come
1: uh, up. I'm so glad. But Fleur just, like, ah, uh, she's so cool. And they make her so lame. And it frustrates me to no end.
0: Fleur is done dirty.
1: Yeah, like, imagine having the forethought to put a woman into your a tournament and having all the girls reading Harry Potty. Harry, Harry Potty, Sorry. Harry Potter, like, excited to see a girl in the tournament, and then she just is garbage.
0: Yeah, she doesn't do oh, well Dunday. at all.
1: Yeah, in like everything, like, why was she chosen? Is she bad? Is everyone at baton bad at everything? Is she the best of the worst? Or were you just a jerk to fleur?
0: I have so many thoughts on this. I'm going to save them for Goblet of Fire. Okay.
1: But I'm yeah, glad sorry. you got
0: them off your chest. <laughs>
1: jumping the gun here
0: uh, uh, I think I think I just want to point out that as a muggle person who would be using a remember all in this case I can't imagine a situation where I would find this anything but extraordinarily stressful. I imagine oh, like I t- I put yeah. I, I pack my remember all I go on vacation I land in Mexico I'm in my little kind of beach chair mm-hmm. and then it starts glowing and it's like what did I for- did I forget my flip-flops did I forget to lock my house those are very different things there needs to be shades of red for how important the thing is that you've forgotten
1: how important it is whether or not like it's a physical concrete thing that you've forgotten or it's an idea or like whether you called your mom for her birthday (laughs) there are so many things you could forget how are you supposed to know that's right what if if you've forgotten what you've forgotten does it just explode (laughs) (laughs) <laughs>
0: does it go down Is a kind of like Chernobyl where the reaction just keeps going until the whole thing explodes. <laughs> That's a cool way to think about it. it it's a very a cool part. piece of magic. I I'm not criticizing, not every piece of magic in the magical world has to function properly. Not everything mm-hmm. in our world functions properly at all. So it's not a criticism of the writing or anything. I'm happy that the remember all isn't perfect. It's just so imperfect that I hardly wonder why this is useful for anyone ever.
1: Yeah, it's, it's super cool magic, just practically speaking, incredibly stressful.
0: Maybe that's why he got sent a grand botta remember all. I was like, this would be cool. And it's like, oh this fucking sucks. I'm gonna send it to Neville.
1: <laughs> ne- yeah, Neville's given an extremely hard time in these first few chapters. Like um, oh, I don't think there's been like a single positive thing said about Neville so far.
0: No, and it gets worse in this chapter too. It gets so much worse for him. He gets double dunked in this chapter. Every kind of plot line in this chapter has a a bad Neville moment in it. Let's head to the flying Mm -hmm. lessons now. I know you have lots of thoughts on the flying (laughs) lessons. Let's just start with, these flying lessons are terrible. They're terribly designed. This is not a good way to teach people how to fly. This is not a good teacher to be teaching these people, uh, apparently. This is just not a good way to get kids on brooms and get them flying around in a safe environment.
1: Okay. I'll start from the beginning. The first thing we learn is that some of the school brooms, and I, like, I'm like, i sure you guys all know and remember, first years are not allowed to own brooms or bring their own brooms. So they have to use the school brooms. And the first thing we learn is that these school brooms vibrate when they get too high and their alignment is off. What does that Imagine- even mean? Okay, sorry, yeah, that's, that's, I'm relating it to cars, but like, you know, when you have a car, and it gets a little old, and, or you haven't had it checked out in a while, and it'll slightly uh, drift from side to side, means the alignment is off, so... Fred and George were saying that they'll, like, kind of veer to the left, so I just made the jump and set the alignment on the brooms. Yeah, I, I,
0: put, I put in my notes, brooms always flying slightly to the left like they're shopping carts with a busted wheel. Like, that's yep. the most frustrating thing when you go to Walmart or something and you grab the cart and it just turns. It just won't stop it just turning. It makes a
1: hazard. <laughs> so dumb. Yeah. This, is a,
0: this is a theme with Hogwarts. Their equipment sucks. Like, these backup, these brooms that they have suck. In in book two, they don't don't have a replacement wand for, for Ron to use for the entire year. Like, their infrastructure six, is not they good. They don't have
1: updated textbooks. Like, come on, guys. But it's just like at the very like they haven't even done a safety check on these brooms. I'm sure there's like a charm or an enchantment that could get these brooms back up to snuff. Like, come on.
0: Reparo, I think, is the one. It,
1: that would be the
0: one. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, did anyone use reparo on these brooms? These are the questions we need to ask. Why why can magic not fix the slightly yeah drifting nature it, of the brooms?
1: And like magic in this universe is not finite. It's not like other stories where you're like you have like a like a well of magic within you and you can eventually tap it by using too much. You can just keep casting spells. What's to stop you from just like every day, hey, repair on the brooms. I'm a flying <laughs> teacher, that's my job. Right, it should
0: be part of the the job description for Madam Hooch, is at the end of every lesson they need yeah, to be repair I, I
1: don't even know what her job description said. Like, maybe just show up one day.
0: Yeah, I... <laughs> this is all she does. <laughs> just be there. You have to be vaguely in the area of the brooms, because you know, you know it was <laughs> Filch that put the brooms out. You know she didn't come early. To, like, lay the brooms out.
1: No, the Slytherins are there first, and then the Gryffindors get there. And then, only after the small children have been left alone with the flying apparatus, does she deign to show up.
0: Yeah, I also have some notes. Aside from the flying, and I just want to point out for the listeners, we make fun of this stuff because we love these books. And this is, like, a hilariously fun, magical (laughs) thing. We're just adults who are looking back on this as adults, and there's nothing we can do about that. As an 11-year-old, this was fucking awesome. Right? Like, like, if I was yeah. if I was in the magical world and I were given a flying broom that drifted slightly to the left, that would be the coolest thing ever. It's I would just, not question it. <laughs> right? It's just funny to kind of poke fun at these things. I have some kind of things to say about Madame Hooch as a teacher. This just keeps coming up. Why do these teachers not want to actually teach the kids how to do something? I get that with magic. There's a, some innate skill involved, and I want to talk about that. But, right, like, just saying up is not, like there's no guidance yeah. it's kind of just like she the, the word that they use is barked like she just walks up and goes what are your what are you waiting for she barked and it's like well introduce yourself like hey everybody i'm adam hooch we're gonna learn how to fly today flying is quite unsafe i'm gonna be giving quite a bit of direction we're gonna make sure everyone feels comfortable just know that we're all we're not all quidditch stars you know what i mean like this is what i do when yeah. i work with kids every day like hey we got we're, we're at archery Archery can be really dangerous, but if you listen to the rules that we have here, you're going to have lots of fun. It's going to be super safe. And then we teach the kids how to shoot the bows. We don't just go, like, yeah, here are the arrows, here are the bows. I'm taking Neville to the hospital wing. Have fun. Yeah, why
1: aren't you, are you pulling back, you idiot? Like, oh, maybe tell them how to pull back. That's
0: exactly right. You? That's exactly right. Like, there's a difference between oh. just saying the thing you're meant to do and teaching someone how to do the thing that you're saying.
1: Yeah, like, she just, she just gets right into it. Like, even if I'm going to be incredibly specific, this is their first time ever trying to do magic without a wand. Right. Yeah. They just stick their hand out and they say up, there's no explanation that this is an enchanted piece of equipment and it will uh, listen to certain commands or whether or not you're trying to control it with your mind. If you're trying to control it with the power of your will, if it's just the strength of your voice, there's no explanation as to this like different type of magic. It's just like, Hey, do it. And I'm like, what? Oh, I could rant for hours about this. It drives me crazy. <laughs> I, I'll, I'll, I'll do like
0: a little... Where, there's more negative stuff here to talk about. I'll do a little kind of, you know, Oreo here. Well, I'll throw the positivity in the middle a little bit. One <laughs> yeah. of the things I really love about flying in Harry Potter, or just about the magic in the Harry Potter world, there's a lot of things I like about the magic in the Harry Potter world. It's not perfect, but mostly good for me. The one thing I do like is that it's, I find it to be an exquisite blend of innate skill and learned magic, right? Mm -hmm. Because that is how things in real life work. There are some people who are just innately better at some things than other people, whether there's a biological Mm -hmm. reason, kind of a chemical reason, whatever, right? You could train me for a billion hours to paint, I could spend mm-hmm. the rest of my life eight hours a day painting. I would significantly improve as a painter in that time, but mm-hmm. there are loads of people I know that they can just look at something one time and and w- with an exquisite level of detail paint something incredible. They're just more artistic than I am, right? And that just like there's mm-hmm. just something innate about that that I can't express. Same with uh, same with singing. I could have a vocal coach for the rest of my life. And significantly improve as a singer. My youngest mm. brother is a way better singer than me. He doesn't sing professionally at all. You know what I mean? There's just an innate skill difference between us, where our starting points are with singing. And so I, I love that about the flying and the Breast of Magic, like yeah like Dumbledore shows up to Hogwarts we get this from Alphias Doge and he is just better at magic than other people and while that kind of Mm -hmm. seems counterintuitive because you should be able to learn all this stuff that's not how anything in real life actually works and so I like that magic doesn't work that way either that some people just show up and Harry is just better at flying he has a lot to learn and he's gonna get a lot better but his starting point is just above other people and there's no explanation for that which I like even though it feels kind of counterintuitive
1: Yeah, there are things that are just more natural to some people than others. And, you know, Neville eventually finds his. Like, he's really, really good with herbology. Um, I don't know if Ron and Hermione ever specifically find a specialty. Harry's is obviously defense against the dark arts. He's also, I guess, the wizard equivalent of a jock. Absolutely. Yeah. I think we a really good job is done of kind of showing, not telling, that different wizards and witches uh, and anything in between can have aptitudes for different areas of magic even if you technically can do all of these things you you may just lean towards one more specific type
0: just yeah. like it's, it's yeah, one like, of the few complaints i've heard about this book just from people kind of consistently and I, j- I like that it's someone's complaint because it actually it's not only something that i just don't really care about but it's something i actually enjoy They'll say something like, oh, of course, of course, it's nice that the main character can just like roll up and hop on a broom and he's good at flying. And so, but yeah, that's how real life works, right? Sometimes
1: you're just good at stuff.
0: Sometimes you are just good at stuff. And like, obviously our main characters are going to be good at things. Why would I read a book about them? Right? Like Mm -hmm. there's going to be, there's a certain level of convenience involved in telling a fictional story about anyone or anything. And to me, this Mm -hmm. falls perfectly in that acceptable level of convenience that I find to be actually quite realistic.
1: Yeah, and I think, like, if if we look past just the immediate convenience of it, like, it's in his genes, like, Harry's father was also an athlete. I can't remember if Lily was an athlete. But also, we we can see clearly, like, in this chapter, that a lot about flying has to do with, like, your strength of will and what you want the broom to do. And Harry really wants to be good at flying. So, one, it's, like, in his blood. Two he shows that he has the aptitude for the thing that would, um, that is ne- necessary for good flying is a strong will. So we're given the context for Harry to be good at flying, but on first glance, it would seem like it's kind of luck. But we do get kind of get shown that there's context for it, which I think is kind of cool.
0: Right. And it's also just consistent throughout the story. Like all of these wizards can practice as much as they want. They'll never be as good as, as Dumbledore is or as Voldemort is like there, mm-hmm. there's a, there is a certain like practice will get you so far, no matter how low you start on kind of the pedestal. Mm-hmm. Right. But the, like, like the professors at Hogwarts are all extremely talented. None of them could take on Dumbledore in a duel. You know what I mean? No. Don't right? Like there's just an innate level difference there.
1: That yeah. is also real
0: realistic. We talked about hockey. Like we, uh, we talked about Connor McDavid before this recording. Yeah. Right? All the other NHL players, they practice lots. They practice so much hockey that they get paid millions of dollars a year to do it. None of them are even close to as good as he is. Which leaves this innate skill gap that's kind of unexplained. They're all practicing lots. They all have professional coaches. A lot of them are getting much better year over year. Mm-hmm. But there's some innateness to like the best players in any sport that is just kind of there, yeah. and I like that.
1: Yeah, no, And I and I think it's It's really fun in this chapter just for Harry to be really good at something because I think we spent enough time with him kind of being unsure, being unfamiliar, and it just feels good that he gets right into flying and is awesome at it.
0: Yeah. Uh, Neville, not as good as flying. At flying. (laughs) He hops on his bro. To be fair to him, he gives it a fair chance. He's one of the few students who actually... Like does follows the instructions, gets the broom, kind of kicks off a little too hard, <laughs> but I like the description. <laughs> it just kind of goes straight upwards. Like the broom isn't moving forwards. I like that it acts kind of like a helicopter, and that mm-hmm. it goes absolutely straight forwards. You don't need to accelerate forward. You can just go vertically, which which oh, yeah. I have so many questions about for like how Quidditch works. <laughs> uh, like, anyways, mm. um, but you can just go vertically. Which is awesome. But then Neville falls off. Not as cool. Madam Hooch, what are you doing? But then the broom doesn't come back. It just wanders slowly into the fucking forest. I don't know why I love that so much. I completely forgot that happened. And that might be my favorite description of anything in this book.
1: It just reminds me of, like, I don't know... For some reason, the movie that it reminds me of is Rat Race, but like those movies where someone means to put their car in park, but they accidentally put it in neutral and then they walk away from the car and the car keeps rolling.
0: Right. That's exactly exactly (laughs) right. But like, at least that makes sense because there's like a downhill to it. I like how this enchanted broom isn't enchanted to come back to the starting point should the novice flyer fall off of it. It's enchanted to fuck off into the forest, never to be seen again. So like, that maybe hey, that's the maybe instead it? of repairing them, this is the they this is how they get new brooms in the rotation.
1: Mm, yeah, they just kind of get them to so, what is it? Super goo off into the forest. <laughs>
0: yeah, yeah, that's right. Uh so good. So, uh, Madam Hooch. Leaves the kids unattended, which we don't need to talk anymore about. It's a ridiculous choice. Leaves the kids unattended with the brooms. Malfoy finds the remember all. Uh, everyone that's not in Slytherin obviously knows that this is not a nice thing to do. Uh, Malfoy hops in the air with his remember all. And by the way, gets in no trouble for this. Even though it's exactly the same thing Harry, uh, in quotation, gets in trouble for. Right. And then Harry gets in the air and I like that he scares the shit out of Malfoy. I like that Malfoy looks at him and sizes him up and goes like, Oh, this kid can fly. I, I kind of banked on being the only one here who could fly. This isn't ideal for me.
1: Yeah. I also like that Harry points out. He's like, yeah, you're alone up here. There's no crab and Goyle. I can do what you're doing. And Malfoy's face just kind of sinks. He's like, Oh, I am kind of a wimp. Aren't I? Yeah. I, I fucked know. up.
0: I This was <laughs> then- a bad idea.
1: Uh, yeah, I think I wrote uh, Malfoy's a little wimpy boy, and he should be told that every day. <laughs> oh,
0: is this where is this where someone gets owned? It's got to be here, where someone in your notes gets owned. I laughed so hard before we started recording.
1: Let me find it. I'm just gonna control F get owned because I definitely wrote it.
0: It was, it was so funny. It might not be here. <laughs> But, but like,
1: like to be clear, Malfoy does get owned. That's why I thought hair. it might
0: be here, is because Malfoy absolutely gets owned here. Oh, you know where it
1: was? If we are going to do a callback to last episode, uh, there was a note that the back of Coral's turban smells bad. So I <laughs> throw, right. ha, 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 Voldemort smells bad, get owned.
0: Yeah, that was perfectly <laughs> juvenile for me. I love that. That was good. A
1: very mature insult from me on that end. But yeah, Malfoy does absolutely get owned here because he thinks that he's big shit. And just doing like what I would have to assume is a very basic level of flying. And then Harry also demonstrates that aptitude. He's like, oh no, this is beyond my ken. I no longer know how to handle this situation.
0: To be fair to Malfoy, he does get out of it rather well. Like Once he's he's Mm. in the situation, he just drops the remember. You know what I mean? That's a clever way to get out of it. Cause you know Harry's gonna go yeah. for that. You have the out. You can just like drop it, fly back down. Everything's good. You didn't get like emba- you didn't actually get embarrassed or anything. Harry mm. finds that remember all and does a fifty foot dive, and catches oh. it, and then just like nicely touches down on the ground. An expert level of flying. Convenient that this situation is exactly how one might catch a snitch in Quidditch. Yeah. Also awesome <laughs> that McGonagall doesn't have her own class to teach right now. And is just right there, ready to go to watch this display. (laughs) Um, Before we get to that, though, I just wanted to call it Parvati? Parvati? I don't know how you... I want to be... Parvati, I I think? I know know in the movies, I think they say Parvati. But I've been told before that the correct pronunciation is Parvati. Okay. Like, in real life, if that was someone's name. I don't know. Mm -hmm. I just want to be careful with my pronunciations. Because there are people with these names that... Or, like, these names are derived from people's culture that I want to be... I just want to be correct you know so let me know if you know i think in the movies or something it's parvati but i've been told it's also pronounced parvati i don't know anyways uh, she has the smackdown on draco (laughs) which is fine it's just fun because we're not going to hear anything else about her (laughs) for a while and Mm -hmm. so it's just cool that she gets this moment to shine
1: yeah i thought i thought that was cool she also has like the right before malfoy takes off uh, he insults neville and Pravati tells him uh, oh yeah she just tells him to shut up she's the first pers- the first person who actually says shut up malfoy good which is i feel like he should be told that every single day every time he tries to talk so tell him to shut up
0: he should have been born in Azkaban. is what should have happened <laughs> then the dementors can tell him to shut up <laughs> i'm bringing that back i'm not going to forget that we, I'm you not know, gonna. We've decided not to in go into what wizard custody law is like, which is a good idea.
1: But no, we're not gonna bother with it. He should have just been born and raised in
0: Azkaban. Right, right. Yeah. All right. All right. To be fair, that's probably what the wizard law is: is that there is none. There's no system yeah. to it. If you're born in Azkaban, too bad. Get fucked. The Dementors. Yeah. Are... We,
1: we don't want to deal with it. Your parents are in prison. You'll also be in prison. Oh, both your parents were murdered by a dark wizard. No one in the ministry will question where you are for 11 years, Harry.
0: Custody's a nightmare. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, McGonagall at the end of the showdown is very mad or feigning being mad and says, Mm. and I quote, in all my years at Hogwarts, to which I wrote, okay, Minerva, you're right. Nothing this bad has ever happened. In the last <laughs> thirty-five years, or however long you've been a teacher, that's correct. This is the greatest transgression. No other f- with Madam Hooch's capability, you have to assume every freaking flying lesson goes about this well.
1: Yeah, I like to think that McGonagall was there watching, just because Hooch is so chronically incompetent.
0: <laughs> right? Maybe we're giving Dumbledore a little. She, he, she should be fired. Maybe <laughs> we're giving a little, uh, you know, too little credit. Maybe he sent McGonagall to like shadow.
1: Can you imagine, though, knowing that one of your teachers was that underqualified that you were like, hey, just in case, Deputy Headmistress and Professor of Transfiguration and Head of Gryffindor, I know you have a lot of stuff on your plate, but I have hired a terrible teacher and I need you to keep an eye on
0: her. Right, I guess that's not much better. (laughs) I guess that's yeah, yeah.
1: What? it's not really using your resources well.
0: No, okay. Dumbledore still gets no credit, but I just I, I get the I get the feigning anger because you got to make it look mm-hmm. like he's in mm-hmm. big trouble. I get oh, it. Yeah. Just using the line in all my years at Hogwarts as if nothing this as if this is the worst thing that's <laughs> ever happened in yeah. the decades you've worked here is ridiculous. I'm aware of four students who can turn themselves into dangerous animals. I guess not a rat. But like that mm. happened while you worked here. Surely that was, yeah, you know, one, of the, one of the students was an actual werewolf while you were here. That is worse yeah, be, in terms of danger levels than this.
1: Active indoctrina- indoctrination of death eaters. You know, all sorts of stuff. But no, no, no. Harry catching the rememberal. This is the problem.
0: Right. So she takes him to Oliver Wood. And she has found Oliver Wood a seeker. There's a few little bits and pieces here that are fun before i i don't want to talk about quidditch rules in this episode because they Mm -hmm. talk about them in the next chapter maybe Mm -hmm. but i like the little moments of walking where harry thinks he's gonna get expelled that he only lasted two weeks all very relatable the was wood a cane she was going to use i wrote (laughs) how 90s of you harry
1: i mean i i was a little convinced that he was gonna get beat with a piece of wood yeah Yeah, why wouldn't you be like Like, magical piece of wood because it's capitalized
0: that's right, yeah, yeah, yeah. It is capitalized. That's that should have yeah. been the giveaway. When you're eleven though, you're not paying attention to grammar.
1: No. Um I it's obvious no, but at the time I was like, this is a little scary.
0: Yeah, I thought he was gonna get the shit kicked out of him. I had the same <laughs> thought as he did. I thought this was gonna go real bad for him. Cause we were just told it was very bad. I also have a huge problem with Malfoy not getting in trouble.
1: I was thinking about that, but on kind of what is it retrospection is that the word in looking back on it i think it makes sense though because harry doesn't get in trouble and harry actually gets uh praised and he gets something he wants for what he did i think it would have been absolutely unfair if malfoy got in trouble for doing it and harry didn't Obviously, McGonagall wouldn't have the context that Malfoy started the encounter with the intention to bully Neville. I think if she had been there when that happened, maybe he should have gotten in trouble for that. But from her perspective, Malfoy and Harry were both just flying. I hadn't
0: thought cool. about this. So your your perspective is more of like an equity one. Like she knows that she's gonna get
1: Yeah. Harry and on like,
0: the Quidditch team. But my my thought is a little more sinister. Now I'm starting to think that she can't bring Malfoy along because that gives up the game. Mm-hmm. Right? Like Malfoy's tagging along with you and Harry Potter going to find Oliver Wood and that's giving up her secret.
1: Yeah, and she specifically says like that she doesn't want to lose to Slytherin again. Like right. Mal- uh, yeah. McGonagall is competitive as all hell. She wants to beat Slytherin. She doesn't want anyone to know that she's found a seeker.
0: One of my favorite takes on McGonagall. Comes from the podcast Binge Mode. If you're listening to this mm. podcast, there's a good chance I haven't listened to it in a while. I listened to it as it came out a couple of years about, a couple of years ago, and one of the takes they had on McGonagall was that she was an underground kind of gambling lord, and that like everything she does with regards to Quidditch can be tracked as the same kind of motivation as someone who's like super addicted to gambling. So she mm. has seen Harry's performance and has put a bunch of money uh, on the bookies on Gryffindor winning the cup <laughs> and so she's trying to keep this a secret so that she can get her bed in while Gryffindor still has low odds and stuff and so oh. I, don't, I don't remember much about the take other than that but it's always been really funny to me to read this back now that I've listened to someone else give me that take um because it does kind of sound like that's what she's doing here is that she's kind of rigging the game a little bit
1: yeah she's cooking the books a bit
0: Right, but not, not for not for Gryffindor House, but for her own... There's something else going on here. So I, I just wanted to call it yeah. that day, because I think it's a good one. Um, and it does kind yeah. of fit with what she's doing. Because she's, she's going to bend these rules for Harry. Takes Harry to Wood. She's found a seeker. Mm-hmm. Again, you've listed her many tasks that she has. I don't know why this is her job. Also, found a seeker. The pool is tiny. There are like 50 kids in each house. And like yeah. not all of them are even interested in the Quidditch team. So if you take the half of them that are interested and just fly them around a couple laps... I don't know I don't know what the tryout process could possibly be like but like where do you normally find your quidditch players there's a, you have such a small pool to pick from that yeah, surely awesome. you're aware of everyone's flying ability the only people that you need to test this year are the second years who you don't know how they fly because they weren't allowed to fly last year everyone mm-hmm. else you they might have improved or gotten worse or whatever but you're at least aware of them so there's only 5 people per year hypothetically <laughs> that you really have to try and figure out a whether they're into quidditch or 10 people per year whether they're into you know what i mean like this whole process sounds like it should not be that difficult
1: yeah but like maybe i don't know maybe they practice over the summer who knows so i we really only see i think one quidditch tryout in the whole series and that's the one where hermione kind of skews it for ron so i don't even know that we really get like a full quidditch tryout no the rules for quidditch any. are
0: absolutely bonkers and i will talk about every single rule of quidditch that i don't like when we when we get Mm. to them the tryout process included one of the rules i want to bring up now is quidditch has no substitutes which is absolutely insane there are no substitutes in quidditch so that means somebody was the seeker of gryffindor and is now getting bumped off for this first year (laughs) he's not allowed to fly because when we get to the gryffindor team there's not a substitute seeker someone was on this quidditch team who is now not
1: Maybe they graduated.
0: Maybe yeah, unless they graduated. But I just I just wanna the, my head canon is that Harry kicks someone off this fucking kick team. Kicks
1: someone off the team. There's
0: some Gryffindor in uh, the fifth or sixth year, just brooding the entire year.
1: It's like this eleven year old. Yeah, every
0: every time Harry catches the snitch, like I could've done that.
1: I could have done that without using my whole mouth. Like.
0: <laughs> Alright, I would have cut that with my hand, idiot yeah. boy.
1: I also like just it's funny to me. I wear glasses. I don't know how many of you listening wear glasses. Um, But Harry's tiny round glasses give him the smallest field of vision. Like, he can only see forward. He has a little bit of peripheral. But, like, outside of the bounds of his glasses, he can't see anything. And his whole job in Quidditch is to see everything in specific detail. And it's just incredibly funny to me that they picked the kid with bad eyes to be the player with good eyes
0: right i i think in this case though he's getting the spot based entirely on his flying acumen Mm -hmm. this is another thing you could you could just keep diving into this he is getting (laughs) this spot on this quidditch team after already having to like break the rules to be on it right without Mm -hmm. ever actually like just by one five second performance on a broom Mm -hmm. that's how bad the quidditch team is is that they don't even want to check like hey can you see was that lucky we've all done we've all done like an extraordinarily lucky thing once or twice in our lives there's no verification here
1: yeah you know everyone's dropped their phone and then it hit their foot and then magically it like pops up and you catch it before it hits the ground right (laughs) does that mean you deserve to be a quidditch seeker let us know
0: (laughs) definitely not i'm gonna go with no i'm gonna go with absolutely not but also like there's a certain amount of pride you have to go and you have to ask dumbledore to break the rules for you to like mm-hmm. lift the rule on first year players you don't want to do that unless you're sure yeah you know you want Maybe to make sure like them. if you're going to make that ask it's got to be for a good reason you don't want to lose because he you only have so much goodwill you don't want to lose it on, on an unverified potential quidditch star that could be terrible
1: yeah, maybe you do like the initial training section uh, session with Oliver Wood before you get permission to break the rules. Maybe just to make sure it wasn't a fluke. Right. But I'm not the head of an underground gambling ring, so <laughs> right. what do I know? McGonagall.
0: <laughs> right. McGonagall spends her own cash on a broom for him too. Like it gets it gets crazy. We'll talk about that when that comes up, though, because that's yeah. Also and a, they that should not be that should be that's another Hogwarts teacher getting fired. You should not well, be buying said, broomsticks for your children.
1: Yeah, that's, yeah, the conflict of interest. But they also said that she didn't favor them. And now I'm calling bullshit.
0: <laughs> Wait a second. <laughs> right, it was the last chapter. McGonagall doesn't favor them. I don't know what you call this. There's a, There was a really nice moment here, though, where McGonagall mm-hmm. says that he's um Or that Harry uh, Harry's father would have been proud. He was an excellent Quidditch player. That's just nice. It's nice for Harry to meet people who knew his parents and, like, actually liked them, unlike the Dursleys.
1: Yeah, I think it like it gets overshadowed by a lot of stuff but harry is really sad that he doesn't know his parents and he doesn't know anything about them so moments like this really catch you off guard and feel like kind of sad happy but like both <laughs> at the same time leaning more towards happy but with just with the background knowledge that it is something sad that you didn't know that yourself yeah so i that gave me a big smile when i read it
0: yeah, I think that's it for the Quidditch, though. I think we've be- I think we've beaten a dead horse this chapter <laughs> about the flying lessons and the Quidditch stuff. <laughs> I think we might have murdered a second horse as well to keep beating a horse.
1: But- I just want to quickly, before we move on, I want to give a shout out to Neville because he fully broke his wrist falling like thirty feet from the air. <laughs> that's and impressive. Was just silently crying. If I had done that at eleven, I would be shrieking. And there would be no way to keep me quiet. So uh, Neville's pain tolerance gets a ten out of ten in this chapter.
0: And his his he's a sturdy boy. To only break your wrist after that fall.
1: Yeah. He, pe- pe-
0: people are more. I think the average person thinks they're less fragile than they are. Like falling from thirty mm. or forty feet or something. That'll kill a lot of people.
1: Oh yeah, that's really high. Yeah, I'm so, thinking like, at,
0: at work. Our kind of our kind of the we do a lot of like like, rope stuff in the trees and stuff, and they're at 40 feet. If you fell from Mm. that, not everyone's going to die doing that. Quite a few people will live, but that would kill a a non-zero percentage of people. (laughs)
1: non-zero. Right. Yeah.
0: To only break a wrist is a good deal out of that.
1: Yeah, like, I was walking Pip the other day. Uh, Pip, my corgi, who I named after a hobbit because I have a cruel sense of humor, um... I, he tripped me with his leash, and I fell from zero feet and rolled my ankle, and it still hurts.
0: I was going to say, if you hurt your wrist, that's, like, however tall you are, right? So yeah. five foot whatever just falling down. But, like, your ankle, yeah. yeah, that's that's an inch off the ground.
1: Yeah, so, like, Neville falls from that high, and he only breaks his wrist, and then he doesn't make a sound. He's just kind of silently dealing with the pain. That's a badass even if it was kind of a dumb thing to do and he shouldn't have fallen, I have to give Neville some respect.
0: I'm happy that we managed to find a way to give Neville some credit. He needs oh, yeah, it. He he's needs it. Day. He's having a few tough few chapters. He's he's about to have <laughs> more <laughs> tough time this chapter because our kids are gonna. Harry's gonna fall for a classic switcheroo trapperino. Here, that's mm. what I'm calling this. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> Malfoy is gonna challenge him to a wizard's duel, which is conveniently the exact same as a normal duel. But for Wizards, actually, though, as a as an 11-year-old, this was my first introduction to dueling, right? So I didn't know that this is also exactly how, like, the 1750s duels worked. But I put in my notes, I bet you they all listen to Hamilton.
1: Yeah, the Ten Wizard Duel Commandments.
0: <laughs> but they're all the same rules. <laughs> uh, Rod offers to be his second, which is crazy. And I don't mm-hmm. really understand Ron's interpretation of the function of a second. Right, because like the duel is between the two people. If if Malfoy and Harry go at it, they duel, and Harry dies, Malfoy's won the duel. The goal is not to kill both people.
1: Yeah, I think that might just be like a childish misunderstanding. Maybe yeah. that's something friend George told him.
0: <laughs> right, <laughs> right. There are situations in which the second would end up dueling, but it's not every time. It's not like oh, oh. you died. I also need to die now. Right, you're, yeah. it's not a two-for-one.
1: It's, it's not a BOGO on wizard death?
0: <laughs> yeah, it's not a BOGO. Because <laughs> hypothetically, this ends with only one second left, which is not how duels work, right? Like, the, yeah. the two people go in, one of them kills the other, the second come in comes in and kills the first one. Now, both seconds are fighting, and one of them's got to die. But also, these wizard duels are dumb, because there's a killing curse that can't be blocked. <laughs> so, I don't really yeah. understand. Like, I, they do go over that there's... Like the proper wizarding duels is you're you're not aiming to hurt people.
1: I've also never really understood like the aiming of spells. Like I think they've this is such a weird tangent to go on, but there are some spells that don't need direction, like, for example, when Guardian Leviosa, if you're pointing vaguely at the thing you want to float, it will float and there's not really aim required. but like, Expelliarmus and Avada Kedavra. You see later they leave like uh, distinctive trails of light, and they can miss. And so I wonder if there's like a list of spells that you actually have to specifically aim, or if that's just a question that I'm never going to get answered.
0: Yeah, I don't think you're getting that answered. I mean the 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 yeah. the, the explanation would be that with guard when Guardian Leviosa, that's a spell that like. That takes into account what you were thinking about when you mm-hmm. were trying to cast it. Right. Mm-hmm. But then it doesn't explain why you can't just do that for any of the Amy, Amy spells. Where you, Amy. like, Why can't I just like vaguely point in the general direction of somebody yell expelliarmus and have it hit them.
1: Yeah. Cause I think like the, I don't remember the Latin term, but when priori incantatum, when the two spells from Voldemort and Harry like intersect, I think that's supposed to be like the first time that Harry sees like the physical manifestation of a spell hit another spell.
0: Oh, definitely. That's definitely the first time.
1: So I don't know if all the spells before that were just supposed to be like non-Amy spells. I don't know. This is a really weird tangent to go on right now.
0: Especially because this duel doesn't even happen. (laughs) 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 We're a whole book ahead of when people actually start uh, dueling. Hermione,
1: oh, sorry, you go ahead. Uh, Hermione's
0: around, and being generally <laughs> kind of annoying to eleven-year-olds. Uh, we need her to mm-hmm. tag team along on this mission, so she can end up being friends with these people. So she needs to be around mm-hmm. uh, enough. I have never been more like annoyed with somebody, but also agreeing with them at the same time, mainly because I'm not also 11, so I can add a little perspective Mm -hmm. to this. What My favorite thing about Hermione is, though, she's worried about the points, like, that they're going to go and lose points. And then I put in my notes, do students even earn points in the other six years? Like, there's never a point where we heard that, like, you know, Jimmy fourth year lost 50 points for doing something stupid. It's only ever the first... Like, it's only ever Harry's year that either loses or earns points. It's crazy.
1: Yeah, I think think it comes with... um... Uh, what's the word like the more you get used to the house point system the less it kind of matters to you in your day-to-day obviously overall you would care if your house wins and if you're gaining and losing points but when you're first year and this is like the one thing that you're told that matters and this is the one thing that you can really do to like further your house it seems so important
0: yeah that and is that is right because our, our main characters stop caring about it in, like, two books. Like by book three, I don't think you even hear about it anymore.
1: Yeah. I feel like if you're a regular student at Hogwarts that isn't constantly worried about who's trying to kill you, maybe the house points would matter a little bit more.
0: Right. It's yeah, like right. all
1: a matter of perspective.
0: That's right, yeah. If you have Voldemort hitting you at the end of every season, the or at mm-hmm. the end of every uh, school yeah. year, it probably matters do, a little less.
1: I do also... I think it was really funny that Malfoy specified he wanted this duel to be no contact. um, And then less than two paragraphs later, Ron just says, hey, and if for whatever reason your one stops working, throw it away and punch him in the nose.
0: That's what I would do. And I would I'd just start I, with that. I don't know how to use yeah. this thing.
1: Just lead with the fists. Your yeah, just lead with
0: them. We're doing, we're doing muggle duels, idiot.
1: Yeah. Use your yep. tiny 11-year-old it's kinda, it's kinda like doing a. Pipe.
0: It's kind of like using a reverse Uno. Like, okay, I'll do your <laughs> non-combat duel. Bam! Punch in the face.
1: Yeah, like the, the Indiana Jones scene where so the guy pulls out the two scimitars and he's like, wow, look how dangerous I am. And Harrison Ford is like, but I have a pistol.
0: Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> That's exactly right. And Neville also having a bad time. Sleeping outside the dorm, because he forgot the password. And I want to talk about Neville a little bit, but the password is now pig snout, which is a departure from the extensive Latin lesson we had to go through mm. to learn the, the password two chapters ago or whatever that was. This seems weird to me.
1: Yeah. And it also got me on like a whole other tangent. Cause we talked about like the laborers rights for ghosts, but the fat lady also has a job. Kind of she's minding this door And she, in this scene, is like taking a break. Is she entitled to breaks? Are they in her workers' rights? Are paintings conscious? Are they considered people? Do they have laborers' rights at all? Does she have a substitute fat lady? I have so many questions.
0: I have questions as well, not the same questions. My big question is, (laughs) why are these paintings not enchanted to just know who this and what fucking house? There's all, like, Hogwarts is not big. Right? Mm-hmm. There are 70 students in each house, give or take. Yeah. Right? And this is a magic land. Like, how do they still need a... Like, I understand for, like, Ravenclaw, it's necessary for the learning part of it. There's, like, a secondary reason to have the password. Mm-hmm. For the other three houses, though, why why can the paintings not just recognize that the person arriving is a person in their house? Not not even in a way that, like, I yeah. think that's pretty reasonable anyway. Even without magic, like, I think there's a small enough house size that most paintings could probably remember if the person was in your house. But just magically, is there not a way to enchant this to know who's in what house?
1: There should have been. There really, really should have been. Especially with a school that is randomly really strict about curfews. Oh, yeah, that You're was in your notes, me? I love that too. <laughs> Like, you're telling me, like, there's no last call where either the teachers go around. Like, McGonagall's the head of Gryffindor. She should be at the end of the night, at the time of curfew, she should be checking to make sure that everyone is inside. No one, there's no security measure to make sure no one gets locked out. It's ridiculous. Yeah. The whole
0: thing is silly. Oh, no. Uh, The result of this, though is that mm-hmm. her- Hermione comes down and it's 11.45 and tries to kind of stop him. and t- you know She's trying to appeal to the rational, this is a bad idea. Um, you know, the, the rational thoughts that she has. The problem is she's dealing with two 11-year-old boys who hate Malfoy. And they're not exactly all that rational. So they're not going to listen to her. So she's got to tag along not to help so that when they get in trouble she can tell them <laughs> that she was trying to stop them. Which I think is yeah. great for Hermione. That's such a fun like reason assumes, to tag along.
1: Yeah, she assumes that they will sewer themselves to save her. Yeah. Which, like, okay, Hermione.
0: <laughs> yeah, Hermione's her reason. Her reason for stopping them makes perfect sense for me. Her reason
1: for tagging along,
0: a little shadier, a little unshakier. Grand. Well, I
1: think she seems, actually gets. She gets locked out, doesn't she?
0: Oh, it might be that she gets locked out. Yeah. Right, because that's yeah, when the fat t- lady was taking a break. You're right. With Neville, it was that he forgot the password.
1: Yeah, she gets her, her mandated 15 minutes, so she's going off for a stroll and right. leaves some children locked out of their bedroom because that's a thing that can happen on All Right,
0: That's fair. Okay, so Hermione gets locked out. That makes more sense. I don't know how I missed that. <laughs> <laughs> Neville's going along because he's going along. I mean, I guess the other option is just to sit there and wait, so that's no fun.
1: Yeah, I mean, they, like, petrify him into doing that later, so they should at least bring him along one time.
0: Right, so our gang is going. They're zooming through the halls. They're going to go. They're going to get to this duel. It's going to be great. They get there nice and early. Malfoy hasn't shown up. They're looking out for Filch, and then what is this? Rachel, it's a trap! trap. (laughs) Malfoy was never coming. This is a classic bamboozle, and our heroes are stuck. With Filch
1: looking for them, how did that happen? Just the most trickery. Although I, I wonder what Malfoy said to Filch to get him to know. He's like, "Oh, I tricked these idiot children into coming to the trophy room," or like, did he tell them there was going to be a party? I, w- I want to know what lie Malfoy told.
0: I, I think he probably just told the truth to Filch. Like, hey, Harry was mm. pissing me off. I challenged him to a duel. He's going to be in the. I don't think Filch cares. I think he's just there. Oh, that's true. He's just there to punish children. I don't oh. think he cares how he.
1: Yeah. Oh. yeah. <laughs> Filch is not entirely a nice person. I do want everyone to know that in my notes I wrote Malfoy a little bitch boy confirmed.
0: Absolutely confirmed. Absolutely. What a yeah. coward. What a prick. Classic bully behavior. Like as soon yeah, as someone challenge
1: someone to a duel and don't show up. Come on, dude. Yeah. Come on, Malfoy
0: like i I'm not even giving him the excuse that he's eleven
1: he's no. just he's
0: just a coward
1: he's just the worst
0: in the escape from this <laughs> this bamboozle uh I have a <laughs> filch and Mrs. Norris is definitely the 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 one you the the one you want to try and avoid that cat's got some ways to find you, but I don't get the sense that running away from filch is overly difficult. He kind of relies no. on the cat and peeves to do a lot of the work mm-hmm. for him, but they stumble to a door that <laughs> It's not meant to it's not magically enchanted to keep them out so they can just alohomora their way in to the door with the dog sitting on top of it. Ugh. this, this just makes me so mad. These teachers don't care about safety at all.
1: Like, it's just like, I have to assume that alohomora is a charm that works on doors that are physically locked. Cause it is such a simple spell to cast. And it would be like any wizard's first guess as to how to unlock a door. There have to be way more complicated ways to magically lock a door to make it secure. But the idea that Filch just went in and like locked it with a key and then just (laughs) walked away, wiping his hands of it like, oh yeah, that's enough. There's a three-headed dog inside, but this physical little turnkey thing, that's gonna do it.
0: Yeah, we also learn of tons of doors that can't be opened with lohomora. But also we get that knife later that opens doors. It's what Harry uses to get into Umbridge's office. And that knife doesn't mm-hmm. even work on every door. So there are ways to magically enchant your doors to not be so easily broken into. When you've already told the kids that going into this room may kill you, and yeah. your headmaster is Dumbledore, who you know can do this magic.
1: Yeah, like it... Also, like why wouldn't you okay this is taking advantage of the things i know from reading more of the books but why wouldn't you walk right up to the room of requirement with the philosopher's stone and say i need a room that voldemort will never get into
0: i have an answer to this one dumbledore doesn't know about the room of requirement he thinks it's like a chamber pot room
1: oh yeah okay that's a very simple answer that Yeah, because
0: he talks in book four about how there's this room that he really needed to pee and then like a bunch of chamber pots.
1: Which is crazy yeah. that the room
0: didn't turn into a room with a toilet? With <laughs> that the functioning plumbing. The, 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 the room, the room turned into something with chamber pots. That seems like a that seems like a little bit of a fuck you from the room but, of requirement, but that's okay. No, but
1: Dumbledore's so old. Maybe they're just giving him something that he's comfortable
0: with. Yeah, ma- maybe that's why. It has nothing to do with moaning Myrtle. Maybe that's why the bathroom is closed. Is Dumbledore just hates the idea of plumbing? He's a chamber pot guy. <laughs> Big chamber pot, god. chamber, chamber pot fan, Albus Dumbledore. Oh
1: my god, that's where coming back in book that? four. I'm
0: gonna forget that we ever said that, and then in book four, someone's gonna remind us, and I'm gonna be so happy.
1: Mm-hmm, mm-hmm.
0: Um, I think that's it. I really like this chapter. I know it's easy to meme on this stuff because we're older than eleven, kind of reading this book. The way this yeah. chapter kind of sets you up for the suspense of the story. We know where the package is hidden. It's under. It's also nice that it's Hermione that notices. That it's under, she's the one paying attention. You'd think the the seeker in there, again, who's meant to be seeing all things all the time, might notice the yeah. trap door. But you're right about the vision. Harry's not the most um, <laughs> attentive person. Or the most, uh, whatever the just word cute. is. Um, so it's nice that it's Hermione that finds it. But this chapter is just so fun. It's whimsical, it's magical. It makes very little sense, but I'm here for it. It's awesome.
1: Yeah, and we also can't skate over, I think whatever it was, name a line more iconic than, we could have been killed. Or worse, expelled.
0: Oh, that line delivery in the movie, too. Uh, is possibly it, my favorite.
1: It's another one of those lines, along with, like, Our New Celebrity and, like, Bottle Flame, Brew Glory, Put a Stopper in Death. That's also a line I say every time is, or worse, expelled.
0: Yeah. Although so I do, good.
1: I need to give credit where credit is due. She needs to sort out her priorities is an excellent addition to that line, which isn't in the books. <laughs> yeah
0: it's <that's> not ron's <laughs> response to it
1: yeah she walks away and she's all mad and he looks at harry and she needs to sort out her priorities and he's not wrong
0: yeah you also put in your notes to something cool but harry's really logical thinking we don't we, yeah. we get a little bit of it later but we don't really get it too much again until book seven when he's kind of thinking through where like okay he sent someone to ravenclaw tower Right. That means he thought I'd go to Ravenclaw Tower. That means there is a Ravenclaw Horcrux, which means it must be the diadem because it hasn't been mm-hmm. seen in living memory. So I'm going to ask a dead person. Right. And then when he finds the diadem, he's like, oh, I put that diadem. Like he's, very, like, you get that logical kind of train of thought from him often.
1: Yeah. And I think, like, in this first book in particular, there is a certain amount of luck that's involved with his intuitions being correct. But, um, he, he, he only has the facts that he's aware of to work with and the facts that he have like that grubby package that no one is supposed to know about, that it's for Dumbledore, but very important and very secret. Uh, it was brought to Hogwarts. There is a new restriction on the third floor corridor. He gets to the third floor corridor uh, and something is being guarded by a super dangerous dog. And all of that leads him to conclude that that package is now being guarded by the dog. He's he's right. He's correct. Yeah. Like it's very lucky that I guess based on the facts that he had, that that was actually the logical conclusion. Hogwarts is random enough that it could have been literally anything else, but it's interesting to see him draw those series of logical conclusions and actually get to the right answer. So props where props are due.
0: Yeah, no, I really, I, I just like it that that's consistent for him. Like, that's kind of how he's going to solve, for better or worse, a lot of the problems he comes up with. This is very kind of just purely logical train of thought. Mm-hmm. Just assuming that other people are doing the logical thing that makes sense. Like, okay, someone's going to break into Gringotts, so we got to remove the package. Where do we bring the package? Hogwarts, because Hagrid said it was Hogwarts business. Okay, so the package is at Hogwarts, right? There's a spooky new place that's being guarded by a giant dog. That must be the place built. You know what I mean? Like, it's just a... It is lucky because you could just, like, bury it in the forest somewhere and no one would ever find it either. Hmm.
1: In some so, ways, that might have been the better
0: idea. It's just, like, dig a random hole somewhere and just put it in there. No one is ever going to find it. Like, hiding yeah, we, it behind a dog and stuff is almost too obvious.
1: Yeah, putting it behind very obvious trials. Like, it's it's fun when we watch, like, Harry, Harry Ron, and Hermione go through them because we're like... It's like a very interesting thing for them to be doing. But in the context of an adult having to do them, it does seem way less imposing.
0: Yeah, It's kind of like a video game level. <laughs> yeah. right? Like you, you go down to the first room, you just like remove a brick, put the stone behind any random brick, put the brick back in place. Huzzah. Your stone mm-hmm. is hidden. It's not going to be found.
1: Yeah. And, and realistically, like that stone could have just been put in any room in the mirror of Arizad and it would still present. (laughs) I was was just
0: going to say, don't worry, nothing matters because they put it in a mirror. (laughs) Like what?
1: Yeah. So it's all of those trials. I think it's a fun way for us to see. um, Practically speaking, what Harry, Ron and Hermione have learned throughout the year. So that's very fun to read through, but not practically necessary if we are really just going to put the most impossible thing right at the end. And that's the only barrier.
0: Right. All right. We're getting ahead of ourselves again. Yeah. Uh, by the time we get to the end of this book, there'll be nothing left to discuss. We'll have already kind of put it all into these chapters. Who, who is your, who's your winner for this chapter?
1: Who did I put for this one? Okay. For this one, I have to give this one to Hermione. Um, I think in the last chapter, She was, I wouldn't put her on the scale, but she was done a little dirty. She really, she just wants to be a successful student. She wants to do things well. She knows she's read all the potions. You know, she studied flying before it even happened, but she keeps getting beaten down for wanting to be good at things. So, but she, she remains super confident, even if it is confident in a frustrating way to us as the reader, because she does come off as a little obnoxious. Uh, and she also has great eyes and great powers of observation. And that's, it's a super thankless position for her because nobody thanks her for it, but she gets them out of a bind and gets them the next clue towards like this book's whole big mystery.
0: Yeah. I so, think Herm- I think mind is the right pick. I, I went a little yeah. different. So for those listening, she actually wrote <laughs> her notes after me this time. So I'm not, my Mine isn't a situation where hers is sometimes where she just doesn't want to repeat, so she picks something else. I, I came up with this all <laughs> on my own. I'm going to go with Ron. I go with Ron. I, after listening to your rationale, I'm not exactly sure it's the best pick, but our man was willing to die for Harry after like a week of knowing this kid, and I believe him. I, be, I believe Ron that if Harry were to be killed in this duel, he would step in and at least attempt at some some kind of revenge.
1: Which I agree. I, which um, I think is impressive.
0: Yeah. Like Not only did he... It's easy to say you're willing to die for somebody until like it's you standing in front of the the wand. Mm-hmm. But I believe that he would have followed through. So I want to give Ron that credit.
1: Oh, he absolutely meant it. He would have done it. Yeah. I love Ron in this chapter because I think it's it's just so like casual. Oh, yeah. If you die, I will just step in for you. Don't worry. There's nothing to be worried about. I'm your best friend now. <laughs>
0: Yeah, that's right. That's exactly, like I, it's just nice and kind and I believe him and I think he's being sincere and it's not in a way where he's like, he's not trying to be Harry's friend in a way that Harry's like super cool and famous and he also wants to be with the super cool and famous kid. He just generally likes Harry. He's like, yeah, yeah, Malfoy's a prick. Let's go get him.
1: Yeah, exactly.
0: <laughs> Perfect. All right. Uh, my my kind of other winner, I need to come up with a better name for this. I'm to go with the battle of wills here. I'm, I'm a fan. There's a few different kind of tropes That I really like. And any kind of battle of wills, I really, really like. I'm a big fan of the, kind of the Harry Umbridge battle of wills. And Harry's kind of reasoning for not telling everyone about the ink quill thing that he's doing. Or the blood quill torture sessions. Right? Like, I always really (laughs) like those chapters. Not because of the torture part of it. But because of, like, the (laughs) battle of wills. Like, I'm a big fan of that. And I just like this battle of wills between Malfoy and Harry. Malfoy's the more cowardly version of it. But this Mm. just, this, like, relentless kind of matching each other and trying to one-up each other. I'm just a big fan of those tropes, and I, I really liked it in this chapter.
1: Yeah, and I really like, okay, this is getting a little spoiler, but in the next chapter, like i boy's so surprised that they're still at Hogwarts. So It's just like that conclusion on that battle of wills between them. So I do really like that one. But what I went with for this chapter was Rebellion.
0: Well, that's a good I one
1: apologize for my dog rebelling in the background
0: no we like
1: <laughs> um but i just felt like so all of these chapters leading up to this point it was all about learning what the rules are what you have to do what you should do um the people you should talk to the people you want to talk to and at this point everything in this chapter everything good that happens to harry comes from breaking the rules
0: that's right. Yeah. That's a good way to think about it. Absolutely.
1: Yeah, so like, he doesn't listen to Hooch because who would listen to Hooch? She's incompetent. Uh, he becomes the seeker of the Quidditch team. The youngest seeker in a century. Um, I had to say it once. And then also, obviously, doesn't listen to the curfew rule. And he gets the next uh, clue towards figuring out what what was in that grubby package. So, yeah, so I I picked Rebellion for this one because uh, who needs rules?
0: Yeah, who needs them? That's right. (laughs) Rules are dumb. If you're listening to this podcast, just whatever rules you're currently following, just don't. Just stop. See what happens. We endorse Rebellion on this podcast i'm gonna get someone into trouble please follow the rules
1: yeah. you aren't. this is not legal advice yeah this is
0: not legal advice <laughs> if you're driving please stay within the lines and the speed limit and all that please 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 mm-hmm. um i want to <laughs> i forgot that this happened but i like the idea that harry like harry gets accolades for being the youngest seeker in a century as if all the other first year students had a fair crack at it like it's banned <laughs> like, of course yeah. Like, this isn't. It's not like every single year, the first year's all tryout, and there's just never a good seeker. I also get that the seeker is kind of a physical position, right? And, like, Mm -hmm. the older you are, the. Like, just by growth, the bigger and more strong you're going to be, and probably the better you are at flying. But it's (laughs) such a weird accolade considering it was banned for the last at least 30 years or whatever.
1: Yeah, it's like, oh, you got special. Like, it's like if the Olympic. The Olympics had the age for entry, which I think is 16. And then all of a sudden they were like, 15-year-olds are allowed. And then a 15-year-old won a gold medal. And everyone was like, the youngest gold medal in yeah, like
0: Yeah, it's true. It's a true statement. I'm not saying the statement's false, but the context is important.
1: Yeah, like he's not any less good at Quidditch. But maybe we shouldn't be like flaunting that as if he didn't break the rules.
0: Right, that's exactly right. All right, I think that's good for this chapter. We'll be back at you next episode with chapter number ten. Only eight or nine chapters left in this book, which for us is like three months of recording or whatever. But we'll get we'll get through it. I don't even wanna know what's gonna happen in like Goblet of Fire, which is like a forty chapter book or whatever. If you enjoyed this episode though, you know tell us your, your chapter winners. Should 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 Madame Hooch have been fired? Were we a little too harsh? Uh, Maybe Dumbledore should be fired. Maybe that's the big conclusion after we tally up all these rankings. Uh, We got a Gmail and a Twitter account and all that. That's all in the show notes. Otherwise, thank you so much for listening, and we will see you in the next one.